Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Hey all, it's me, Bishoy. As a marathon runner and endurance athlete, I've come to understand the importance of properly fueling your body for preparation and recovery. Every day you get a shot at success. How you start your day typically paints a picture of what the rest of the day will look like. Start your day with a super convenient, healthy, and delicious nutritional win. Meal one by Creatures of Habit. Overnight oatmeal packed with 30 grams of plant-based protein, chia, flax, and pumpkin seeds. Vitamin D3, omega-3s, a probiotic, and digestive enzymes made in under one minute. Stop wasting time or worrying about what to eat as your first meal of the day. Start with meal one. Visit creaturesofhabit.com, creatures spelled with a K, and use code MILE40 for 15% off a one-time purchase or the first subscription order payment. Welcome to another episode of the Mile 40 Podcast. I am especially excited today to bring in my friend and colleague, Minal Shah. Minal, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Bishoy. I'm excited to be here. Not going to lie, a little nervous, but ready for it. Don't be nervous. It's it's only the hottest seat you'll probably sit on all day. (laughs) Well, thanks again for making the time. You know, just for some background to all the listeners out there, I've worked with Minal over the last couple of years over at Salesforce, and we've built up a, a little bond. And, and most recently, uh, Minal published a piece called The Power of Your Name, which I will share with you all as a follow-up to this episode. But the piece hit me pretty emotionally uh, upon reading it because it was a topic that I personally could relate to very closely. You know, I'm not going to butcher the narrative of the piece, but at a high level, um, as an immigrant child who had to deal with a lot of assimilation, um, you know, upon growing up yourself, Mino, in an immigrant family, um, and myself uh, as someone who was born abroad, it was something that we had to tackle in different scenarios throughout our lifetime. So if you could speak a little bit about the piece, um, and we'll take things from there. Yeah, so so the piece really comes from um, a lifetime of just accepting and, and normalizing my name the American way. Um, I've always kind of found myself doing that. And when I got to Salesforce, my manager uh, would introduce my, me as Minal, but I would introduce myself as Manal. And um, it got to the point where she pulled me over and she's like, am I saying your name wrong? And I'm like, actually you're saying it right. I'm the one pronouncing my name wrong. And she's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, I just, I've never, ever had someone say it right. And that's why I never really bothered to correct you. And that kind of spiraled into this whole thing where my team kind of piggybacked off of it. And I think it just naturally happened based on the environment that we're fortunate enough to be in, where I'd be in a room and 
like my manager or my director or my teammates, they would all just jump in and be like, actually, it's Menal. It's pronounced Menal. Just so you know, it's Menal. And I've heard other teammates do it too, um, not just for my name, but for, for other names as well. And so it was very empowering. But then I started to find like a battle within myself, right? Like it was almost like I was like living a dual life. Like I was Menal at work and Menal at home. And suddenly it was like, you know, I was like unified under like one person, um, which has never, ever happened before. Um, and again, really, really grateful for that. Uh, but that's, that's kind so, of what the article is about. <laughs> that, you know, it, it's just really cool. And, and just for the audience, do you mind spelling your first name? Yep. M-I-N-A-L. So, you know, even as you say it, and I've known you, and obviously I can relate to the topic and the article, subconsciously, sometimes I still want to mispronounce your name. I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and I wonder what it is, you know, from a culture perspective that kind of makes me even think twice, even though I know your name. Um, anything you want to comment on that? Yeah. I mean, I still sometimes want to introduce myself as Manal because it's it's the Americanized way. It's the easier way. It's the cop out, right? Like, I've now started to essentially like retrain my brain to, to say it's Minal. Like, like even my thought process, like sometimes we'll slip and say, Minal, what are you doing? And it's like, no, 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 it's Minal. Like it's reowning that power of your name. And like, when you do, you just feel more wholesome. You feel a lot more you. Um, and I think that's something I've really battled unconsciously really for a really long time. Was this something that, you know, you took note of in, in your younger years, maybe academically, um, or was it something that, you know, it just happened at a younger age and you were just like, we're just going to let this ride. Well, so many, so many questions that, that I can answer in, in so many different ways. So to, to start out, like my background, I, I grew up in um, the outskirts of Camden, right? So, so my, my parents always, um, education was always number one. Um, so what they did, we had a convenience store and the area was not so great. So they put me in private school. Um, and so being Indian, being giant, I went to a Catholic private school to learn a religion that did not really relate to me, but I was like, all right, we're going to do this. It's fine. And so going into private school, lots of bylaws, lots of laws and regulations to follow. And frankly, like in back in the 90s, it was not cool to be Indian, right? Like, like I would go into school with oil in my hair. Um, I would go to school and I, you know, wasn't really allowed. Like, I remember like over like Halloween, I dressed up as like the Indian princess because it was like the only time I was able to wear like my Indian clothes and, <laughs> and my choli and all that fun stuff. And so I, I battled that a lot. Like it wasn't cool. It was like, oh man, mom, like I can't believe you're making me go to school with like oil in my hair. And, and the, the teachers don't even say my name right. Like, you know, like you start off school, like trying to correct it of like, it, you know, I've gone through so many variations of my name of Manal, Manel, Minal, um, and the list just kind of goes on. Like, I can't even think of how many, but you, at one point or another, you're kind of like, all right, I'm already battling so many aspects of my life. Like my name can be the first thing to just conform, convert. It's fine. Right. Um, but 
but back in school, like one of the most iconic memories that I have of like my own self battle, um, I was in first grade. My mom put Mindy on my hands. Um, I and and back then it was like a really rare thing for us to do because like even just getting like the supplies like from India or from like an Indian grocery store, it just wasn't really possible. Like it wasn't accessible. And so I was like so excited to go to school. And and that is also the same day my parents left for a trip to Chicago. Like the only business trip they've ever gone on to like the convenience store. They decided to leave of me course. the seven, seven year old behind, right? With Mindy on my hand. And so I got to school and I got in so <laughs> much trouble. And like I'm a goody two shoes. So like I never got detention never got in trouble. It was a grade A student in elementary school. And um, the teacher thought I drew on my hands and she's like, you need to go wash your hands. And I'm like, I, I can't like it's, it's Mindy. It's on my hands. It's part of my skin. It's a dye. Try and explain it to her like between like, you know, bubbles of tears. And I go home on the bus. I go home and um, and I remember I stood in the bathroom for like hours, like oh trying to God. scrub the Mindy off. Like and it, obviously it's Mindy, it's not going to come off. Like it takes like a week. It, you have to let it take its course. Right. And, and my mom's call, like my grandma's like, get out of the bathroom. It's okay. Don't <laughs> worry about it. And I'm like, no, like I gotta, I, like, I, I'm going to get in trouble again. And um, in that moment, like my mom comes home the next day, it was literally 24 hour business trip. They come home the next day. And um, this is one of those iconic mom moments where um uh, she's the best mom ever. Um, she secretly called my teacher, explained the whole situation. Next day, she comes into school. It's like surprise. Um, and she does like a Mindy demo and like explains to like my classmates and my teacher, like the culture, the origin, like what it is and, and all of the above. Right. And so you have you start to see like kids reaction of like, oh, OK, I get it. But like this smells weird. Like, what is it? Right. And and so it was really interesting. And then the following summer, I, everyone comes back. Everyone goes like six flags and all that stuff because we were in like yeah. South Jersey. And they're like, oh, yeah, I got henna on my hands. Like I got a tattoo. How cool is that? And I'm like, I made that a thing. <laughs> so you, and, you became a trendsetter. Yeah, yeah. It was the, the iconic trailblazer moment, right? Of like, okay, like th that, that, is, that is like the... Uh, the, the uh, the pivot, right? I wouldn't even say even then I suppressed like the culture of who I am and didn't really abide to the culture norms. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer, but, but yeah, that was okay. definitely the the start of the trailblazer or trendsetter moments. I love that. I love that. So um, let's, let's kind of segue into just talking about assimilation in general, right? That was a good starting point for you. And you are the firstborn immigrant child. So you were born here, uh, but your parents immigrated before that. Um, how long did they live here before you were born? Uh, gosh, I think like four years, if that. Okay. okay. Yeah, and not, and not by, too long. By the time, you know, you were a youngster, you know, how assimilated did you feel they were? Um, so I think a lot of what they did was they, they latched on to the culture they knew, like, even though India has progressed, like, it's not the culture it used to be back in the 1960s, 70s, 80s. Um, that's the culture my parents latched onto, um, to try and like, raise me, my brother, like other members of the family did the same to raise us in an environment of like, you need to know your culture, you need to know your background. 
Um, so I would say they were very like not assimilated at all. Like I was not allowed to have friends over or go out to friends' houses. Like um, anytime I had friends over, my parents would make them write multiplication tables before we could like go <laughs> to the park or play. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> That's classic. That's yeah. classic. That's great. Um, so at what point, you know, in your lifetime, did you start to feel, you know, that you can kind of take the leap to um, independence in the sense of, I acknowledge everything that I've learned with regards to, um, you know, your background with regards to the culture and with regards to, um, you know, the, the values that were instilled, but, you know, if I'm going to make it here, I'm going to need to make sure that I can also execute maybe in a different way. And maybe that means, you know, going down a different career route, or maybe that means, you know, studying something, you know, that maybe isn't, you know, the typical, um, you know, academic uh, subject. I mean, I, I too come from a culture that generally is, you know, you're either going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. Um, and clearly I am neither. And, you know, from what I gather, you're neither either, unless you're hiding some something on your LinkedIn profile. Um, and so at what point did it become easy for you to kind of take that step? Um, so I, I would say it was never really easy. Um, I remember in college, uh, so I actually started off college as a chemistry major because my parents were like, I always had an interest in like fashion and my parents were like, but, but you need something that's stable, like go and, and do chemistry. You like chemistry, fashion's a hobby. You could do it on the side as a side hustle. And I was like, okay. So I did chemistry for two years and I hated every second of it. Um, because I'm much more of a people person. Like every day we'd go into like the chemistry, like, you know, labs, and the TA would be like, okay, and this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Like titrate for this. And I was like, this is kind of boring. Like, I don't, I don't want to like do this every single day. And so I, I had like a, a come to, to life moment with um, like at the end of like my sophomore year. And I like sat my parents down and I'm like, listen, I am not doing so great. My grades are not good. Like they're not bad, but they're not, they're not A's. Like I was getting B's and C's but you know, it's fine. I'm like, I don't like what I'm doing. I don't want to do this. I'm, and so then my parents were kind of like, okay, well, you're clearly fighting for what you want. What do you want to do? And I'm like, I'm going to go do fashion. And so they kind of like took the back seat for the first time. And so they're like telling me what to do. They're like, okay, like go, go do fashion. So I did it for a quarter. I did an internship and it was not what I expected at all you know, as it, it, I was expecting to like design stuff and, and that it wasn't it. So I had like another talk with my parents and I'm like, okay guys, so tried fashion was not for me. Um, and so then my dad was like, why don't, why don't you do business? Like you were always able to like sell ice to an Eskimo. Like you always had like that head on your shoulders. I'm not in sales, but I could be. Um, and, and so I was like, uh, you know what, like, fine. So that's kind of what spiraled into like where I'm at now. Cause along with, um, along with trying business and, you know, doing all those marketing courses, I was in student government, really involved on campus. Um, and I was doing really fun, like concerts on, on campus and, and, bring free food. Like what college student doesn't love that. And it kind of struck me my senior year of like, wait a minute, like I could do this for a living. And, and so then my parents were like, so, so you're going to be an event planner. And I'm like, 
yeah, like that, that is where like my eyes like light up. This is what I've always wanted to do. And it was funny when I like, we were like cleaning out like old stuff. Like I found like a legit run of show for like my 10th birthday party of like what I wanted my guests to do, like scavenger hunt, eating, opening, blah, 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 like X, Y, Z. And so it was really interesting and really funny. Cause I was like, wow, definitely came full moment. Know exactly what I'm doing, but, but it, it took a second to get there. Um, and it, it took a lot of crossing things off my list to realize that it's not what I wanted to do. Got it. Well, um, <laughs> it's crazy. I actually started out college as a pre-med major. So you and I were, <laughs> we have a very similar story with regards to how that transition happened. Um, so, um, you know, let, let's talk about, you know, when you got deeper into your career, um, you know, you had mentioned to me prior to this that for the longest time you had um, an inability to maybe see yourself successful, um, you know, within within the field. Um, and that's something I want to dive into a little bit. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of people out there um, who deal with imposter syndrome. Um, mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I want to touch on whether or not you believe this was imposter syndrome um, that perhaps you were facing and, you know, at what point you kind of started to recognize, take action, and then kind of elevate yourself. Yeah. So imposter syndrome is honestly something I think I've always dealt with. Um, I went to uh, a, like a state school, Montclair State, um, which, you know, it's not compared to like my other friends, right? Like it wasn't Princeton, Harvard or Yale or Stanford or anything along those lines. And um, my senior year of college, um, I got accepted into a internship with uh, Michelle Obama. So I was an intern for the first lady of the United States. Um, and, you know, you look at the internship roster and you're looking at like, who's there next to you. And you're like, okay, like you're seeing the Princeton Harvard deals all over again. And you're like, man, like I went to Montclair State. Why'd you pick me? Why am I here? Am I good enough to be here? And suddenly like that, am I enough question starts coming into play. Um, and so it's, it's a lot, it's an uphill battle. Um, and it was, it was really hard to kind of fight that. And in that moment, I remember like one of my best friends was like, but who cares where you went, who, who cares where you went to school with? Like you're here, like embrace it, embrace where you're at. Um, and I, I similarly, when I, when I joined Salesforce, I battled that like hardcore because, um, you know, it's, it's just something that you're suddenly surrounded by people that a care for you b or it's like calling you by your real name and and encouraging you um and and you're like wait a minute like you're here to help me you're here to like make me better you actually care and it's an overwhelming flood of emotions um and suddenly you're like but am i am i as good as like the person next to me am i as smart enough am i as creative enough um and so and it's not to say like our, our team was really supportive, but it's still like you, you suddenly get like a, wait a minute, do, should I really be here? Like, did you hire me by mistake? <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, no, I, I absolutely, I can absolutely, you know, relate with you. Um, you know, I, I think all throughout my career, I've dealt with that. I remember, and I talk about it in Break Barriers, the first time I entered um, the investment bank at JP Morgan, and I was 
I kept my mouth shut for six months because I, I didn't think I belonged up there and I couldn't do the math some of those people were doing. Um, and honestly, it was in that period where I, I think I was, you know, deep in the waters of imposter syndrome, where I started to kind of realize where my strengths lie. Um, and I realized at that point that, you know, I'm really good at communicating um, and I need to figure out a way to leverage that to be successful here. Because if I keep focusing on, you know, do I belong here or did they hire the right person or, um, you know, I'll never be as good as this person or that person, then I'll yeah. never have an opportunity to shine. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's how it kind of played out for me. Um, you know, at what point did you see yourself maybe, um, you know, let's call it overcoming that hurdle, right? Right now, you know, as mm -hmm. someone who, who can testify, I work with you pretty closely, you know, I see you as your whole self and I see you as, you know, confident, articulate, well-spoken, um, and someone who, you know, is going to deliver. Um, and so let's talk about when we got there. Yeah. I mean, I, I still thank you for that. <laughs> Very humbled to hear that because I think it's something that I, I still deal with. Um, I, I think a lot of it, to be really honest, stems from like, you know, the environment you grow up in, like my parents, like a lot was riding on me, right? Like a lot of expectations, a lot of like, you got to do this. You got to do better. Like they, they want to set me up for a better life than they had for me. So I have a better life for my future life. Um, and, and so it, it was a lot of like, you said something of like, you know, you, you kept your head down for like six months and, and like, didn't say anything. And I think, I think a lot of that, I did that, that happened to me too. Of like, should I say something? Am I supposed to say something? Um, and I think that it's a lot of like the culture that you're in um, how I got out of that, um, well, first, I'll be very honest, therapy helps a lot. Um, I would also say I had a really strong support system. I'm forever grateful for the team that um, I joined when I first joined Salesforce um, because they they were, it was a really encouraging environment um, of you're doing great. You're like, hey, like, let, let's try this. Um, a very like, I, it's funny. I, it, I'm not a scientist, but in a way I do social experiments. Like, um, like every, I mean, you've worked with me every event that I've done. It's like, okay, we've done this. How can we do better? How can, what can we tweak to make it better the next time around? What can, what format can we try next? And so, um, a lot of that came from having like that support system of go ahead, try this. And it's okay if it doesn't work out. Um, cause failing is something that I'm not used to. And I've definitely had those moments like within like events that didn't go so well. Um, but it was the, the environment that, that I was given to try. Um, and, and the, as long as it's a calculated risk, it's okay. You know, like you could think everything's going to go well, but then like, you know, there's like that wild card of like human element that comes into play. I agree. Totally. I mean, I, I always think of failure as opportunity, you know, and, and I, I don't think about it as um, the be all end all. Um, and the premise of the mile 40 podcast is to talk about, you know, experiences where you found yourself in a pit and the trajectory mm -hmm. toward your peak. Um, and, you know, again, in our conversations prior, 
it had seemed that you were, you were definitely in a pit, um, you know, when, when you were really dealing with this, you want to talk about, you know, the dark moments just so they can get some insight. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So, so when I was, when I was in the pit, it was like the, the mid, like, I would say like within two months of the pandemic, just joined onto the team. Um, and we had a strategy that we were rolling out and we obviously had to pivot because you can't do in-person events. It's a pandemic. Um, and I, so I'm a very, I try to keep myself in check. Right. But, um, I had one of those moments where I was like on a one-on-one with my then manager and I just completely bawled out crying. Um, something that I have never done before. And then immediately after that, I was like, oh my God, (laughs) she's gonna, she's gonna totally question. Like I am on the, on the way out the door, you know, like immediate thought process but instead um she she came to me with kindness and she came to me with just hey like here's some resources here like how can I help you um and help me rebuild my confidence um so that that was the pit it was it was a lot of hyperventilating panic attacks um full-on breakdowns of like, can't believe I did this or made this mistake, being extremely hard on myself. Um, and then a moment of kindness from someone else that that was like, hey, it's okay. Like, we're, we're all going through something, some crazy stuff right now. Like, how can I help? What can I do? Um, what light can I shed? Like you're, and, and a lot of reassurance of like, we hired you for a purpose. We hired you for a reason. Um, how can we help you like re-realize that? Um, and so after that, it was like a a real moment of like vulnerability, right? Like not just for me, but for my manager to be on that receiving end and like my team to be on that receiving end of like, I don't think I belong here guys, you know? Um, uh, and, and again, the grace that they offered in, in return is what got me out of that pit and, and into this world of like, okay, let's try this. Let's, let's do it. The success of it. Um, but it was not easy. I think it was a lot of, um, what I've kind of started to do. Um, cause like I said, it's something that I still deal with and I still like battle in my own head is like, anytime I get, uh, a compliment or an email, I like have a folder of like praises. And so if I'm feeling down, I like re-look at it and I'm like, wait, you are doing good stuff. You're doing work. You're, you're capable of doing whatever obstacle is coming your way. Um, and, and that really helps. And the board of champions. So you have friends like, and, and colleagues and um, people around you that believe in you, that support you, that um, advocate for you, whether it's in-house, like in in your yep. work environment or at home that, that yep. kind of like essentially snap you out of it and they go no like you are amazing and you you need to realize that you, you do have to realize that within yourself um but it takes time and no, a I lot of a lot of time <laughs> you're spot you're spot on i mean when you when you said board of champions um you know that 
that resonated right away. I mean, I think that's something that everybody needs and it's something that, you know, you just need to look around and it's cliche, but they say you essentially are the average of the five people you hang around the most or the five people that you associate with the most. And so, you know, you probably should be hanging around with people who are there to kind of lift you up and lift, you know, each other up and, and kind of use that as a, as just a, a sounding board um, for whatever it is that you're going through, good or bad. Um, you know, one thing kind of caught my attention when you were speaking about your manager um, and, mm-hmm. you know, not just in our organization, but in many organizations, they talk about leading with empathy and, you know, you hear it a lot. It's almost to a point where it's just becoming a tagline, but it seems like you really truly experienced it. And a, a big part of the Break Barriers platform really focuses on, you know, the the values of a good leader and what it takes to be a good leader. Um, And um, I want to dive into that just really quick to talk about, you know, outside of that one experience with your manager, um, was there anything else that you experienced with them or with someone else that kind of helped you um, with regards to, um, again, being your whole self at work? And then second question to that, um, are there any um, books or outside resources that you, you know, kind of lean on uh, for resources around around leadership in particular, especially in this kind of environment? Yeah. Um, so so I would say there there is definitely like one other um, uh, manager in, in like the past. Right. Like the like everyone that I've been talking about has been like either a manager or a director that I like directly associated with. Um, but me back in the day, like, you know, empathy and, and, and like leading with it and, and like learning, like, you know, cause like, you're like kind of trained to like, you have results, you got to attain those re- results. Right. Um, and I had a, a, uh, manager now friend who was really transparent about like her own well being um, that almost made me force, like it forced me to like look within of like, well, wait a minute like what is it is it is it anxiety is it imposter syndrome um and so i would say like for a manager that's out there that's listening to this like obviously there's a balance of airing everything that you're going through and being transparent but being aware of like hey i'm going through this and knowing that someone else might be going through it too it almost opens the door for conversations um, and I think that's a big reason of why I was so receptive to the empathy coming from my manager and my directors, um, because they were also like, Hey, I've been there. I've done this. This has happened to me too. Like, and, and it almost is like, okay, like knowing that you've gone through this, it makes it a little easier to know that maybe I can get out of it too. Um, and then the book that probably I really heavily lean on is Darren Greatly by, um, Brene Brown. Um, I, you know, pre pandemic was not much of a reader, um, but that, that book, I picked it up and it really makes you face like shame, vulnerability, leading with empathy and how, um, and, and really, really makes a big difference. I would say if you're looking for a good book, that's the one I'd tell you to read. Awesome. Um, I think Brene Brown is incredible. Um, and I think that, um, you know, what she stands for and, and the way that she positions it, um, 
you know, she's a trailblazer. Um, that that's really the best way to put it, which I know fits well in our world. Uh, but you know, it, it, it really is true. Uh, when I think about her and, and the messages she puts out there, um, let's talk about career highlights really quick. Um, you know, I, I was reading, um, your piece just before this, um, and you talk about the Michelle Obama moment. Um, was that your career highlight and do you want to share it or was there another highlight, you know, that kind of stands out? You know, um, that was definitely a highlight. I mean, who doesn't love Michelle Obama? You know, <laughs> it was it was pretty great. Um, I I don't think I've ever cheesed that hard in a picture in my <laughs> life. Um, but I think another career highlight is, is, I know this sounds so like dorky, but it was really joining Salesforce. Like, I think that was like the pivot of my like career in terms of just understanding like what I'm worth, what I'm capable of and um, being around people that are there to like lift you as you rise. Um, sneak peek on a new article coming your way. Um, I love that. Great plug. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, but really though, it, it was, it was really joining Salesforce and like, in a way it was doing it in the pandemic like obviously in the moment of I like was like what are we doing how are we gonna survive this um but it really um unhinged a, another level of creativity and in another world of virtual events that I never really did until 2020 hit got it um you know I think it's really awesome to see a highlight in a period of of overcoming obstacle. I mean, I think that's, you know, you know me, I preach about this all the time. You know, you're, you're only going to find potential um, in those moments where you really need to dig down. Um, and so I think that's awesome uh, that that was the moment that you shared. Um, my last question for you, um, any particular um, people, you know, that either inspire you that are sources of just you know, knowledge or just kind of a, a well that you go back to, whether it be, you know, someone that is very close to you or really someone that you just follow kind of out in the blogosphere. I'm not going to go with the, the Michelle Obama cliche or the Brene uh -huh. Brown cliche. It's obvious. Um, I would say a lot of, I mean, I have a younger brother um, who he's like one of my best friends and he's like, he's such a, moral compass like if you've ever watched a good place he's cheaty <laughs> <laughs> and so he he keeps me grounded but he also knows when to like you know be like you're doing great versus like hey man like be a little more humble about it um so he keeps me in check I love that I love that actually reminds me of my my younger sister she's kind of my <laughs> my balancing board because I I too I'm I'm very similar I kind of need that person who I know I can trust will bring me down in a way where I'm like, okay, fine. Fair enough. Well, Mino, thank you so much for joining today. You know, I will be sharing the power of your name and I will, you know, make sure that, you know, we use this, this recording uh, as a reason for people to really kind of dig in and understand that it is a process to becoming your whole self. And, you know, especially when you think about it from an immigrant's perspective, the idea of assimilating isn't something that happens overnight. It's something that, you know, is, is a process and a journey. And, you know, here we are right now in the thick of our careers and we're still talking about it. So thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for having me.
Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.